We'll hear argument next in number 89-1905, Wisconsin Public Intervener versus Ralph Mortier. Spectators are admonished to refrain from talking while you're still in courtroom. The court remains in session. Mr. Dawson, you may proceed whenever you're ready. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. This case is about whether local units of government are going to be allowed to continue to regulate the use of pesticides to protect the health and safety and environment of their citizens, as they've been doing for a great many number of years, and certainly since the Congress enacted the Federal Insecticide, Fungicide, and Rodenticide Act almost 20 years ago. The issue presented to this Court is, did Congress clearly intend to preempt local governments from regulating pesticides when it enacted FIFRA? The respondents in this case claim that local governments can do nothing, that they're powerless to protect their citizens from pesticide hazards. They claim Congress intended to strip local governments of this power, which includes as much of a power as to simply require the posting of warning signs on adjacent properties to warn citizens to stay away from areas that have been treated by pesticides. I'd like briefly... Mr. Dawson, can, can, uh, just so I understand, there is nothing in the, uh, in, in the uh, position of the court below that, that would uh, prevent a state upon the petition of a particular uh, county, for example from uh, um, denominating that county uh, as a county in which some special provisions will apply. The state, the state could do it. Uh, it doesn't, the state does not always have to act statewide. That's true. The state could do that, and the state uh, does not have to respond affirmative, affirmatively to such a petition. Well, of course. I'd like to briefly review the ordinance. First, the ordinance is not a pesticide registration regulation. It does not seek or require to make expert scientific decisions entailed in the pesticide registration process that occurs under FIFRA. Second, the ordinance applies to pesticide spraying of public lands, private lands open to public access, and aerial applications by aircraft. We're talking about protecting areas frequented by people. Third, the ordinance is expressly aimed at protecting private property, drinking water wells, and other areas open to the public like lakes and streams, hunting grounds, play and recreation areas, and public rights-of-way. Fourth, the Town of Casey Ordinance is a permit ordinance. It permits pesticide use under certain circumstances, and it allows the Town Board to impose reasonable conditions. For example, it can prevent spraying under windy conditions, or it can create buffer zones around play areas or school grounds to protect children. True, permits under this ordinance may be denied, but only after consideration of such things as the benefits of the pesticide application, available alternatives, and negative effects of denying the permit. No, no permit has been denied under this ordinance. The ordinance uh, regulate uh, the same things that uh, FIFRA does or the state does under its authority? There, there could be some overlap, but I think the emphasis here is that this ordinance and ordinances that have been passed like it 
deal with things that FIFRA does not do. Mm. FIFRA does not get down into the locality and, and dictate or provide conditions, protective conditions for the protection of streams and playgrounds. Mm. These are the things that people at the local level understand, things that people in Washington or even at the state capitol are not going to be prepared to deal with the way that well, kind I, of basic... I, well, I, I take it that you wouldn't be satisfied if... Uh, if uh, uh, if we held that uh, that uh, the only way a locality or a town or a county could act on its own would be if a state uh, the state permitted it to do so. That's very problematical because the state may not permit. Uh, yeah, well, so you wouldn't the state be satisfied not... to condition your right to, to to condition the town's authority to pass this ordinance on the state giving it permission to do so. Well, in this case, the state has given the town of Casey permission to pass general ordinances under the police power to protect... Well, I know, but this government. specific, uh, what if it delegated to the county its power to uh, regulate pesticides? If it's the kind of power that is the power that they're exercising now, fine. But if it's the time, uh, kind of regulation being suggested by respondents that the town is, has its hands tied to only perform that which the state is going to do, then that's going to be very serious and problematical. Uh, so you would not be satisfied? That's I would not. Yeah. Didn't one of the Wisconsin state courts suggest that the town's ordinance was preempted or at least unauthorized under state law? The, uh, the, uh, uh, the Washburn County Circuit Court uh, held that. Uh, however, the Wisconsin Supreme Court uh, did not deal with that they issue and only no dealt, simply ruled on the federal question. The second part of this ordinance is the posting requirement. It simply says that the uh, ordinance allows the town board to require the posting of signs on treated lands to warn citizens of the areas where the public uh, may go so that they can make their own decisions about whether or not to be exposed to those kinds of chemicals. FIFRA really doesn't perform these kinds of functions, nor was it really intended to do that. Respondents attack the entire ordinance. They say the town can do nothing in this area. Are, are, are all the things that the town uh, did here or proposes to be able to do things that if the state itself were to do it, would be authorized under the FIFRA scheme? If I understand, you understand my question? I'm not positive. Is everything that the town asserts its ordinance permits things that the FIFRA statute would allow a state to do if the state were doing it at the state level? I understand is that your, not clear? If I understand your question, I believe the answer is yes. The town uh, may uh, regulate. It is free to regulate. It is free to do that which the state could do. Well, let me put it another way then, because I guess you didn't understand. I must not have made it clear. As I understand it, the federal statute allows certain state action with regard to the regulation of pesticides. Isn't that so? Yes, that's correct. 24A, in fact... And is everything that you argue the town can do here something that the federal law permits? Yes. And that gets us to the act itself. I think the best place to start with looking at the, the intent of Congress is the language of the statute, and that's Section 24 of FIFRA. 
24B, I'm going to start with 24B because that is the express preemption provision of this Act, and it only preempts state regulation with regard to pesticide labeling and packaging. It is specific. That's as far as the preemption goes. We then move on to Section 24A, which is the anti-preemption provision of the Act. It's ironic that respondents depend on the anti-preemption provision of this Act for the basis of their argument that local governments are indeed preempted. Yet this Act says that the state may regulate the sale or use of a federally registered pesticide. It is upon this express language, it is upon the history of this language that respondents go to to make the argument that local governments are preempted. It does not follow that because states are authorized to regulate that local governments are preempted from regulating. Well, that, that depends upon, surely that depends upon whether you think that the statute, absent any references to states or municipalities, would have preempted the states. What, what is your view on that? Suppose, the, the, suppose none of the sections that specifically authorize states to do something had been included. Would this be the type of a statute that is complete enough that we would say this is, this is the systemic regulation by the federal government and states are automatically precluded? No, no. Uh, but that would make I, a difference. If you felt the other way on that, if you felt that it were that complete a statute, then unless there were specific authorization for states and for municipalities, they would be precluded, right? Except that in this case we have 24B, which is a specific preemption provision. I assume your question assumes that 24B is still here? Yes, it assumes it's still here. Yes. And, and I would say that in, in light of the Congress specifically dealing with preemption and going only this far, that the states are free to distribute their power to their local governments, to allow their local governments to continue to regulate in this field, that they, in fact, are not preempted. If, uh, I wish people would, would use this. The, what's the section number in Title VII? Uh, it is 136B. 136B. Section, uh, I, I might also point Mr. to Mr. Dawson, it's completely irrelevant, but where is Casey, Wisconsin? Casey, Wisconsin is a northwestern Wisconsin uh, what, town. What county? It's in Washburn County, Wisconsin. I thought I knew the county, but I've never heard of Casey. Is it near Spooner? It's near Spooner. It's just above Spooner, about uh, no, 30 miles above Spooner. 30 miles north? Yes. On the road to... Uh, uh, on the road to Superior. Yeah. How, how large a place? Uh, there are approximately four to 500 citizens that live in the town of Casey. Uh, Large enough to pass the ordinance in question? Large enough to be authorized by the state legislature to pass the ordinance, yes. There are other provisions in FIFRA that also suggest that Congress contemplated that there would be local regulation. In particular, I point to Section 22, which is 7 U.S.C. 136T of the Act. This Act requires the EPA administrator to cooperate with local units of government in securing uniformity of regulations. This suggests that local governments are contemplated to have the authority to regulate pesticides, for which the EPA should seek uniformity through cooperation, not through preemption. Respondents rest their case heavily on the legislative history of this case. 
Mr. Dawson, before you get to that, yes. uh, has the state of Wisconsin taken a position on this matter? Some states have come in on your side, and some states have come in on the other side. Uh, where, where, where is the state of Wisconsin in this? State, the state Supreme Court uh, held in a 4-3 decision that the federal law preempts local governments from regulating. No, I understand, but the, but the executive uh, of the state has not uh, intervened in this matter or filed anything as an amicus? That's correct. Uh, there appears to be no official position. Going to the, uh, uh, the legislative history of the Act, we start in the House. It's true that the Agriculture Committee voted not to authorize local regulation and that its intent was to preempt. However, this Act, this intention, this desire by one legislative committee does not translate to an affirmative act by the full House to preempt local regulation. Also. On the House this, floor. This, this, this is the House Agriculture Committee you're referring to, Mr. Dawson? Yes, it is. Excuse me. The House uh, debated on the floor uh, also uh, when the bill was, went to the floor, an amendment to Senate to uh, Section 24A, which is the, uh, the anti-preemption provision, state regulation of general-use pesticides. But again, it did not really address the local regulation of pesticides. Over on the House side, I'm sorry, on the Senate side, the Senate Agriculture and Forestry Committee did intend to preempt local regulation by not authorizing local regulation. The Senate Commerce Committee, however, differed with the Senate Agriculture and Forestry Committee, and they did not wish to preempt local governments. And it never really disavowed, never did disavow its view that FIFRA should not preempt local regulation. Again, the language of the Act is what the full Congress voted on. The Act uh, also had to go to conference committee. There was not complete agreement on the two bills coming out of the House and the Senate, and the House and the Senate conference committee did not address or resolve the dispute over the issue of local preemption. I'd like to reserve my time. You, before you sit down, would you uh, comment specifically on the excerpt from legislative history that's referred to on page 23 of the opposing counsel's brief where they point out that one senator inserted in the congressional record a statement prior to the vote that um, the amendments should be understood as depriving uh, local authorities or political subdivisions of jurisdiction. Is that significant? That, that uh, statement has been uh, given different significance by different courts. Uh, that was, I believe, Senator uh, Allen, the chairman of the Senate Agriculture and Forestry Committee, uh, who stated the view of the Agriculture and Forestry Committee that local government should be considered to be preempted. Uh, however, this by itself does not establish the full Senate adopted that view. Simply because the Senator placed that in the record does not indicate that the full Senate agreed with that view. And therefore, there is not a clear intent on behalf of the Congress to preempt. Was, was there any opposing statement submitted into the record at that point? I'm not aware of any. I'd like to reserve my time, Mr. Justice. Very well, Mr. Dawson. Uh, Mr. Wallace, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Pesticides, even if federally registered and economically beneficial, are poisons. 
And it is no small matter to conclude that Congress decided by implication comprehensively to preclude local units of government from any regulation of the use of these poisons in the community in order in order to protect against contamination of wellhead and other drinking waters and against other dangers to the health or safety of persons or animals. It is our view that Congress did not make that determination, even though some members of Congress expressed a preference for that result. It is equally our view that nothing in FIFRA precludes a state as a matter of state law from determining that that local governments should be precluded and that all state regulation of pesticides should be uh, centralized in a state agency or, as California prefers in the brief that it submitted, joined by some other states, that local units be enlisted only uh, in aiding in the administration of state laws. FIFRA leaves that determination as a matter of state law up to the states. Have, have we ever said specifically at this court that the federal government can uh, direct a state uh, in uh, allocating its powers to its political subdivisions? Uh, I, I, I noticed there were certain um, statutes cited in some of the amicus briefs on railroad safety and uh, right-to-work laws where uh, other courts have said that uh, this is a, an appropriate kind of preemption to find. At least is there some constitutional concern or some constitutional constraints uh, about the federal government uh, directing the allocation of powers in this way? We address that briefly in a concluding footnote in our brief, Mr. Justice. Um, this court has not addressed the subject um, other than in the context of a federal expenditure program in the case we cite uh, on the last page of our brief in the footnote, Lawrence County against Lead Deadwood School District, in which um, the court held that uh, state uh, uh, law was preempted by a uh, federal statute um, which specified how the local units of government would use the federal, the federally supplied funds. Um, I don't think a constitutional question need be reached in this case. Um, we have addressed it very briefly in that footnote and pointed out that it really does rather little for the preservation of state power for uh, um, uh, a constitutional holding to specify that if Congress determines that the federal program will not work properly, if there is a multiplicity of local regulation, it must also preclude regulation by the states themselves, even though its preference would be to allow state regulation. That doesn't seem to us to uh, serve any purpose of the Tenth Amendment. 
Um, this is not the kind of case where anyone claims that this kind of regulation of third-party conduct is not something that Congress could exclude the states and local governments from altogether. And Certainly Congress can give powers to the executive branch and prevent delegation uh, within the executive branch of those powers. It does that all the time. Certain things have to be done by the Attorney General. Certain things have to be done by the President. So if that's any parallel, it's... it's, it's uh, it's no problem to do the same with respect to the states. That is correct, Mr. Justice. Well, Mr. I, I think, could you uh, just briefly say what, do, what powers do you think the locals are entitled to exercise uh, absent any express delegation from the state? Well, the extent of delegation from the state is entirely a matter of state law. Well, I know, but say there's no delegation from the state at all, uh, uh, and the state, the state is just silent, although the state enjoys the powers, FIFRA gives it. Uh, what powers do the locals have independent of the state law? FIFRA itself does not impose any limitation as a matter of federal law on whether the power can be exercised by the state government or its a state agency or by a local I unit. Suppose, I, I, don't don't you, I don't suppose a local locality could, uh, uh, could regulate pesticides in a manner that the state itself could not regulate. That is correct. I, and I'm speaking only of regulating the use of pesticides. Yeah. The um, FIFRA gives very broad authority to the states to restrict the use of pesticides. With respect to that subject, FIFRA provides a floor but not a ceiling on restrictions that can be imposed. If and, and, uh, and, uh, and within that area of state authority, the, the locals uh, can do the same thing, uh, absent uh, some restriction imposed by the state. That is, that is correct. That is our view under FIFRA. Um, much of the policy argument about how this might undermine the policies of FIFRA overlooks the breadth of the delegation of additional state authority to restrict pesticide use. The, the pertinent statutory provisions appear on page 5 of the blue brief, uh, petitioner's merits brief. Um, uh, under the heading Authority of States in the middle of the page. These are sections 136 V, A, and B, or 24 A and B, uh, uh, as one may prefer. The only preemption provision is B, which uh, says that no state shall impose additional labeling requirements. We're on page 5 here. Um, if uh, if we're talking about negative implications, which is the basis on which a preemption claim is made from the text, uh, ordinarily the negative implication would be that unless there is an attempt to impose labeling requirements, there is no other blanket preemption. There may be conflict preemption. But what the other side says, Mr. Wallace, is that you're, you're reading it backwards, that this is not a preemption provision at all. It's a permission provision that without this provision, the act is so complete in and of itself that we would have held the states cannot enter this field. The, the, the federal government did it very thoroughly, has all sorts of provisions, and all, all sale and, and use of pesticides are to be governed by the federal government. So this is not a preemption provision. It's a permission provision. It says despite what would normally be the preemption of this statute, we're going to allow a state to regulate the, the sale or use. 
If you look at it that way, it's, there, it's, there, it's quite different. And the negative implication is just the opposite. There's rather little basis in what uh, EPA actually undertakes to do in the communities to support that argument. Um, EPA does not uh, uh, touch upon the subject of posting notices. Uh, there are... Uh, any number of hypotheticals that could be raised with respect to uh, uh, protection of groundwater sources from accumulated runoffs. EPA does go into great detail about tolerance levels left on foodstuffs from the use of pesticides, but it, it, it can't, uh, as a practical matter, um, undertake uh, a determination of where runoffs will go and how they will accumulate uh, in uh, sources of drinking water in particular communities. Uh, uh, that uh, depends so much on how widespread the use of the pesticide is and where the runoffs will accumulate. Those are matters that require quite specific local knowledge. Uh, 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 EPA does not, it, it, it does have directions on the labels of the pesticides so that those applying the pesticides, at least the purchaser, and if the uh, applicator has the original label, the applicator will know what precautions to take. But this doesn't in any way notify other persons who might be affected by the use. Uh, EPA does not address the question of whether um, uh, uh, pesticide application in a child care facility or a school should be restricted to hours when the children are not present. Um, there, there are just many subjects that uh, um, EPA does not address, e either by regulation or under the statute. Mr. Wallace, in that connection, uh, if the EPA prescribes a, reg uh, a regulation, I mean a labeling, deciding, describing how the uh, pesticide can be used safely, is there any uh, violation of federal law if a person using the uh, pesticide chooses not to follow the instructions? The, the, they're authorized for use only in accordance with the label. I understand, but my question is whether if a person goes beyond and uses it in a, in a way which would violate the labeling instructions, is that person who uses the pesticide subject to any penalty under federal law? Well, it would. I don't know what the penalty would be. I just haven't looked into that in preparing the case. It definitely would be something not authorized. Because it seems to me the local ordinance here is focusing on the user rather than the labeler, whereas the federal law tends to focus on the contents of the label and, and descriptions of permitted use. Well, that is true. That is true. And, and it, uh, it is a violation of the federal law to, to use the pesticide for use uh, that is not that is not in accordance with the label. The label requirements are to define the permissible uses, but the states have carte blanche to restrict uses beyond that. Um, the subsection A that I was just going to focus our attention on um, is designed for that purpose, and the pertinent committee reports say that this allows additional restriction by the states, and there's nothing in FIFRA with respect to pesticide use that ordains that a state has to allow the use of any pesticide for any purpose. A state could adopt a measure going totally organic and say that no pesticide henceforth will be used in the confines of this state, 
and nothing in FIFRA would prevent it. And why, that, why does this runoff problem that you spoke about before, why, why would that have to be handled at the local level? It doesn't have to be. Uh, but in many states, they choose to repose that authority uh, in the local governments. And the, um, don't, don't, the, don't the FIFRA uh, um, uh, statutory provisions or regulations uh, prevent the use of certain pesticides where they would be likely to get into, into streams? But, uh, they, that is not addressed in the kind of detail that the Safe Drinking Water Act uh, addresses it, which uh, we have cited in our brief, the Safe Drinking Water Act of 1986 is, is designed to deal more specifically with contamination of wellhead uh, water air, uh, and other public drinking waters. And that contemplates an active role by local governments, although, again, it doesn't require the states to repose that authority in the local governments if the states prefer to meet their obligations otherwise. But that, um, uh, since uh, an argument uh, of preclusion of local authority and FIFRA by negative implication is uh, the essence of an argument that, uh, that the statute is ambiguous and should be read as, as containing a negative implication, uh, we think that the 1986 Act can appropriately be looked at under the standards of this Court's recent opinion in West Virginia University Hospitals uh, to argue that, that, that under the scheme of the statute you, you, you really need local regulation. You can make that argument, in fact, because it's clear that the states can prohibit local regulation. That is correct. Congress did not require the states to take that route. States vary a great deal in the extent to which they rely on home rule and local governments uh, to perform certain functions. But traditionally, local governments have been very involved in the protection of the health and safety of the community on questions of this kind. And certainly Thank you, Mr. Wallace. Uh, we'll hear argument from you now, Mr. Kent. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, the Circuit Court for Washburn County, Wisconsin, and the Wisconsin Supreme Court found the pesticide regulation enacted by the town of Casey to be preempted by federal law. And in asking this court to uphold these state court decisions, I urge this court to consider three key factors. First, the statutory language and the legislative history of FIFRA demonstrate a clear congressional intent to preempt local regulation. Congress expressly considered but rejected local regulation. Second, Congress created a federal state scheme which is responsive to federal, state, and local needs. And it did so because Congress recognized that pesticide regulation is more than simply a local concern and must be subject to federal and state control. But that scheme also allowed, also allows local needs to be addressed. And the third point I would like to emphasize as I begin this morning is that the Town of Casey Ordinance, the ordinance before the court, is an extraordinarily broad ordinance. It creates a comprehensive permitting program which is totally independent of any state or federal program. Are you suggesting by that, Mr. Kent, that if it were a narrower, or 
narrower ordinance, it might not be preempted? I could see that if the ordinance was uh, very narrowly drawn, there may be some areas in which uh, it would not run afoul of uh, uh, FIFRA, but that would be uh, very limited circumstances. Local governments, in your view, are left some authority uh, or granted some authority by FIFRA. As we set forth in our brief, one area would be is if it falls outside of the preempted field. If, if what you have is a local regulation which has merely an incidental impact on the regulation of pesticides, we don't believe that that would be precluded. Uh, oh, FIFRA, <coughs> uh, <coughs> FIFRA doesn't occupy the field. It doesn't exhaust the universe of possible pesticide regulation. Well, in our view, Your Honor, we, would be, we believe... Well, if it did, uh, if it did uh, why uh, the locals couldn't do anything? That's true. Perhaps you misunderstood my, or I didn't articulate clearly my answer to the Chief Justice, and that is, if there is an area where the local units of government are regulating and it has a totally incidental impact on pesticide regulation, that might be permitted. I think the example I gave in, in the brief was when a town rezones an area from a commercial district to an agricultural district, there will be an impact on pesticide uh, use and regulation by, by simply the fact that the, the use is going to be changed for that area. But that's a very incidental impact on, on pesticide regulation and would fall outside of the preempted field. I think to get back to the Casey Ordinance, what's important to realize is that uh, if this ordinance is not preempted by or in conflict with federal law, then few, if any, local ordinances would be preempted, and literally tens of thousands of local units of government across the country would be free to enact almost any kind of pesticide regulation. And well, what's it in conflict with? We believe that, that the Casey Ordinance is in conflict because it stands as an obstacle to accomplishing the uh, purposes and objectives of FIFRA and frustrates the federal scheme. Uh, we believe that it's in conflict in several significant of, uh, effects. Well, then, then this, would a state law which uh, had exactly the same provisions uh, be subject to the same invalidity in your view? Um, I do not... It would not under a field preemption analysis, but possibly... Well, under, under this statute and in this case. Under, under a conflict analysis, uh, it, it could pose those, those types of, of uh, problems. If I, could, if I could explain, I think that if we had a situation where uh, the state of Wisconsin authorized uh, every local unit of government to enact its own pesticide ordinance, you could have sufficient lack of coordination uh, that it could well uh, be in conflict with the FIFRA oh, scheme. Oh, what if the state of Wisconsin itself adopted the exact same scheme used statewide that Casey, the town of Casey, adopted here? Would that be uh, preempted by FIFRA? No, no, it would not, Your Honor. Under a, under a field preemption analysis, we believe the states under FIFRA do have the authority to regulate. But wouldn't it be just as much of a conflict with the purpose? Uh, Not, Your Honor, if it was enacted on a statewide basis. If, for example, what we had was a scheme uh, such as that enacted by the state of California, 
where you have local units of government, in in that case the County Agriculture Commission, that can do certain things, but subject to state review and state supervision, that would not be a problem. Well, it boils down then just your objection that whatever acts are taken are taken at the local level. The problem with the problem with it being Isn't at a that right? That's otherwise cr- you're being very inconsistent. Well, the <clears throat> yes, Your Honor, the, the we would object to the local regulations for the reason that you do not have the type of coordination that you get on a statewide level. I assume you would you would also say Justice O'Connor's you responded Justice O'Connor's question by saying it it wouldn't conflict if it were on a statewide basis. What if it weren't on a statewide basis, but it was passed by the state legislature? The state legislature passes a law saying the town of Casey, in the town of Casey, the, the following uh, uh, restrictions on, uh, on pesticide use shall apply. And it adopts similar laws for other counties. They, they submit their, they just pump their municipal ordinances through the state legislature. Now that would clearly be permitted under the statute, wouldn't it? It, it would be it would be permitted within the again under a field preemption analysis. I do not believe that it would. Well, uh, field preemption is trumped by by the provision that says a state may regulate the sale or use of any federal. I mean that, that trumps any field preemption, doesn't it? No, I believe that looking back, Your Honor, at the way the statute was defined and the legislative history, that Congress intended to preempt local regulation of pesticides. This isn't local regulation. It's state regulation, but not uniformly throughout the state. If they wanted to say a state may regulate uniformly throughout the state, the sale or use of any federally, they would have said it. They didn't say that. They just said a state may regulate. Yes, a state may regulate on less than a statewide basis. Um, I think there comes a point at which uh, there, there very well could be a conflict. I don't think it's approached at, at this point. Well, I, I, I don't know why you fight this so hard, because some of us might think it's useful to, to be able to have different, different types of regulation in various areas of the state. I, and, and if you're telling me that that's impossible, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure you're helping your case. I, I'm sorry, Your Honor. I'm not saying it's impossible. And in fact, Wisconsin uses that scheme very effectively. Uh, it, for example, allows different restrictions uh, with respect to aldicarb and some other pesticides throughout the state. My only, my only concern with your question is that if Wisconsin simply had a blanket delegation to local units of government which said, enact any kind of pesticide ordinance you like and it's okay with us, I could see under that circumstance you could have a conflict with FIFRA. But under this scheme, I do not believe uh, such a conflict would arise. Well, that's this case. That's just a general delegation by the state. That's what you have here. This towns can enact ordinances. Right, and I believe that that, that is preempted, Your Honor. I would like to highlight uh, a few portions of the, both the statutory language and legislative history because I believe that what is important uh, in, in looking at, at this case is the federal state scheme which Congress, in fact, enacted. Under that federal state scheme, only states may regulate pesticide use beyond the federal government. And that's set forth in Section 136V, Sub A. And Congress very carefully defined the term state uh, in FIFRA. And it says states means states and certain territories in the District of Columbia. It doesn't say that it includes political subdivisions, or it didn't even say that, that the term state includes states leaving it open. It said states means states. 
we believe that not only is there that specific statutory definition, but that that is underscored by the, the intentional differentiation Congress made throughout FIFRA. In that legislative scheme, states may do a number of things other than regulate pesticide use. They may issue experimental use permits, certify pesticide applicators, obtain exemptions for emergency conditions, uh, and exercise primary enforcement authority. Political subdivisions, a term also used within the statute, political subdivisions are only authorized to inspect books and records, cooperate in monitoring, and cooperating in carrying out the chapter and in securing uniformity of regulation. To allow the petitioner's view of this statute to stand, this court would first have to conclude that Congress really didn't mean what it said when it defined the term states that then Congress really didn't mean what it meant when it used the term state and political subdivision on a differential basis. And it is only when one disregards those key elements of the statute that you can reach petitioner's provision. And I would submit, Your Honor, that that really does violence to both the statutory language and legislative intent here. Well, counsel, in the absence of uh, any legislative history of the type Found here, would you think that a definition of the term state, such as is in FIFRA, would normally, in another federal statute, uh, preclude the states from allowing their political subdivisions to do the same thing? Uh, yes, I believe it would, particularly when one construes not only the definition, but the fact that Congress used the term state. Uh, in some places, and then use the term state and political subdivision in others. There's that intentional differentiation, which I think underscores that the definition... Any cases of, of this court or the courts of appeal in other statutes gone off on that rationale, do you know? Certainly there are cases uh, which indicate that where Congress intentionally differentiates between terms, that that, congressional, that that indicates congressional intent to use those terms differently. Um, I don't, I'm not aware of any case that is specific to this type of scheme, but as I mean, a matter of basic... normally think that uh, state action includes action taken by uh, local political subdivisions that are authorized by states? It might or might not. It depends upon the context of the statute, Your Honor. I believe that in some cases one can either find that in the express terms of the statute or draw that implication. And well, it's a cases. little hard to find on the face of this statute that uh, the term state couldn't include authorized action by political subdivisions. I think provided that those actions were specifically authorized by the state, there would be no problem, but that's not what well, we have here. Well, but it's not a, trying to tell the state what kind of law it has to pass to authorize action. Wisconsin may pass very general laws that allow uh, cities to take action of this kind. Yes, but I don't believe that they have really done so here. And again, I think it's not, in, in this particular context, it's not just the definition of the term state but that entire pattern in FIFRA, which draws that differentiation. All of the regulatory authority is directed to states, and it's only the subservient cooperative roles that local political subdivisions uh, can exercise. I would like to turn briefly then to the legislative history, which I think is important in this case, because if ever there was a case where there was clear legislative history, I believe this is such a case. 
First, we have explicit statements from the Senate Agriculture and Forestry Committee, and I quote, the regulation by the federal government and the 50 states should be sufficient and should preempt the field, unquote. But that, that language doesn't occur in a vacuum. That comes out of a debate that occurred in both the House and in the Senate. And when this matter was before the House, the House had before it an administration proposal which included in what later became Section 136V, a section that said states and political subdivisions. That language was deleted by the House Agriculture Committee when they concluded regulation by the federal government and the 50 states should be sufficient and should preempt the field. When this matter went over to the Senate, the same issue was squarely before the Senate. The Senate Agriculture and Forestry Committee adopted the House version, and then the Senate Commerce Committee said, well, let's take a look at putting local units of government back in to Section 136V, sub A. And the result of that, uh, there was a, a, the Senate Agriculture and Forestry Committee explicitly rejected that amendment. The Compromise Committee of the Senate uh, that looked at these two committees rejected that. And then ultimately, the version that was adopted by the full Senate was the version uh, that was proposed by the Agriculture and Forestry Committee. And I would submit that this is not a case where we have a compromise or an agreement to disagree or certainly not legislative silence. This is a case where Congress specifically addressed the issue that's before the court today. Should we include local units of government in allowing regulations beyond FIFRA? And Congress resolved that question by saying no. Mr. Kent, just to make sure I understand it, the uh, statement that you quote on page 23, as I understand what you've just told us, was a statement specifically referring to what is now subsection B. Subsection 136V. VB, that's right. V sub A. V sub A. I beg your pardon. Yeah, I stand correct. So that at this point, one not only has to disregard the statutory language, the definition, the differentiation, but one also has to disregard the fact that Congress expressly considered this question and rejected petitioner's viewpoint. Did the committee report refer to the particular subsections and subsections you're talking about? Uh, yes, I believe it did, Your Honor. Uh, it, it was referring to the text of the bill, which it would be 24A and 24B. Uh, it, indicating that it was those particular sections or subsections which did preempt it. Right. That was the Senate Agriculture and Forestry Committee in particular. And what the Senate Commerce Committee attempted to do was to amend that section by including political subdivisions, and, and that amendment uh, was rejected first by the Agriculture and Forestry Committee, and then ultimately their view prevailed in the Senate. I would like to just touch briefly on my second point, which is that the federal-state scheme which, which Congress enacted here balances both federal, state, and local concerns. My first point here is... Excuse me. Is, um, I suppose that if state throughout, throughout this whole thing means state or any municipality as well, then uh, a provision like, uh, oh, God, there's so many different letters here, um, 136B uh, F, which says that the administrator shall, under such regulations, uh, authorize any state to issue an experimental use permit for a, for a pesticide. I suppose that would apply to municipalities, too. Then, then, then he can authorize municipalities to issue experimental use permits. I mean, if has he done that? Has he authorized any? any? Has the state authorized? Has the, has the administrator 
I, not that authorized I'm, any municipalities to, to, uh, to issue experimental use permits. Not that I'm aware of, Your but Honor. But he'd be able to do that if, if state means uh, both uh, the, the, uh, uh, the capital state government and the municipality. I believe that would be the logical conclusion yeah. of That's that That's scary, argument. isn't it? <laughs> we believe so, Your Honor. Uh, to turn to two of the, the related uh, problems that would result in, in allowing local units of government to have unfettered uh, decision-making in this area, uh, we cited a, a number of them in our brief, and I would like to just highlight two. One is, one is what I've referred to as the so-called gypsy moth problem. If you have local units of government which can restrict pesticides in their area, uh, they would then al be able to allow a, a noxious pest to grow and develop and then spread onto neighboring jurisdictions. At that point, the neighboring jurisdictions not only have to use uh, more pesticides, but the pest is spread over a larger area. So that Mr. Mr. Kent, uh, we deal with any number of preemption cases here, as you know, every, every year. And ordinarily, uh, if, if it's thought that there is... Uh, uh, no preemption, uh, the state and local governments are left in exactly the same position as you say they should not be left in here. Not only is the state free to regulate, but if state law allows, the local unit is allowed to regulate. So th that's a fairly normal consequence of a finding of no preemption. If I, if I understand your point, Your Honor, the, the, your point is that if the states are preempted, that the local no, my, my point is that you're, you're saying look at what extravagant things might be happen if the various localities reg regulate this subject. And I'm saying that possibility is opened up every time we hold that there is no preemption by the federal statute. Not only state governments can regulate, but ordinarily local, local units can regulate. That's true, Your Honor, but I would submit that this is a particularly uh, problematic area in the pesticide area. Because if a local unit of government is allowed to restrict pesticides in its jurisdiction, that problem isn't simply transferred in the same, pro in the same form to a neighboring jurisdiction. It can be transferred in a way that makes the, the uh, problem worse, that the pests grow, that you have a larger area over which to uh, control the pest and the use of more pesticides. So why, it's actually why exacerbating Why can't the, the state administrator take care of that problem? The state administrator could if it was a, a problem of significant enough state well, You're describing concern. one that's significant to adjoining jurisdictions. I think it would be the perfect case for state intervention. In, in, in fact, I would think the state would be more likely to intervene than the federal government. In, in a, I, I use that example simply to illustrate the general the problem, and I would agree that in a, in a statewide emergency, the state would have the authority to come in and, and take care of that problem. But where this, where this situation is perhaps even more problematic is where you don't have a statewide problem, but you have a, a, uh, a problem that's a much more regional or localized problem. You have a, a small farm that happens to cross two jurisdictions, and in one jurisdiction he's precluded from using a certain pesticide to control, say, a, uh, a certain leafhopper or mite or something that's destroying his crop. That then gets that then transfers into the neighboring That works both ways. Also, if you allow unrestricted air spraying, you can, you can affect the water supply that can go into the next county, too. I mean, I think it, that either use or non-use can cause harm to neighboring jurisdictions. Yes, but I think the, the I, I would agree with that as a general proposition. My point is that 
the harm actually intensifies as it spreads. Because instead of, of having that same problem in the neighboring jurisdiction or some overspray and drift, what you have is the growth of the pest and, and a larger problem than, than you had originally. May I ask you this question? Supposing Wisconsin passed a statute that said uh, air spray, whether or not uh, spraying by air shall be permitted in any area shall be determined by the local jurisdiction, period. Then would, would that allow the local governments then to regulate? I, I don't believe so, Your Honor, uh, in, and for this reason, that the, the, the statutory scheme and, and is confirmed by the legislative history here means that it is the state which must be the ultimate and, regulatory jurisdiction. And that regulatory power cannot be subdelegated to uh, lesser units under your view? Local units of government can participate in uh, administering and enforcing a state program. So, for example, if... But, but if the state itself isn't supervising the program, you'd say they could not delegate authority to individual government units. That is correct. There would have to be continuing state jurisdiction and supervision. Can I ask you then, if, what do you understand the, the provision for cooperation where they do specifically refer to local jurisdictions? What kind of co cooperation do you understand that to be referring to? I would see that in, in two respects, Your Honor. The, the first is the type of cooperation that might come up in the context of where the state de decides to regulate a pesticide uh, with respect to a particular local area, as Wisconsin does, for example, in saying in certain counties we have additional restrictions on the pesticide aldicarb. There you would want to have some contact and cooperate with the local officials in you know, setting up the monitoring and, and, in, and administering that program. I think another way of looking at it would be the California model. The California model says we will allow local units of government to do certain things, and there's a specific delegation to those local units of government, but the state retains control. A decision by, for example, the county agricultural commissioner to issue a special use permit in California is subject to specific review by the state and the State Administrative Procedure Act. Under the California scheme, if a local uh, unit of government uh, proposes a specific regulation for its area, uh, the state will allow that to happen provided there is an express approval by the state. Now that type of a scheme really allows the, the purposes of FIFRA to be served because it brings to that scheme not only the state expertise, but the type of coordination that you would have uh, on a statewide level. And, and it really serves to provide a statewide uh, perspective so that some of the most parochial problems can be then uh, vetoed by the state effectively. So it's, it's that state control which we think is, is key here and, and what Congress was intending to do as it's set forth in the statute and, and legislative history. Um, I would like to highlight again and perhaps clarify some of our earlier comments with respect to the conflict issue here. And I believe that the conflict that we're talking about with respect to this ordinance uh, is not necessarily, although it could be an impossibility type conflict where the federal government says X and the local unit of government is saying Y. Our concern with this type of ordinance is much more uh, in that it frustrates the federal scheme in several respects. The federal scheme was designed to provide coordination and cooperation. This ordinance, which requires, an, which establishes an independent regulatory scheme, operates wholly outside of any state program. 
if this particular ordinance was allowed to stand, local units of government would be free to enact whatever they want, and the goal of coordination uh, would be lost. Second, I think that, uh, that this type of ordinance presents the same type of problems with effective use of pesticides that we have talked about earlier. There is a problem of parochialization, that the local units of government concerned with their own narrow interests may inadvertently be ignoring the larger state or regional interests. Uh, and, and as a practical matter, having uh, this type of ordinance uh, by a unit of government with the least technical resources we believe thwarts the congressional purpose that there be effective pesticide regulation managed by those units of government which can bring the effective uh, uh, and, and efficient regulation of pesticides to bear, to have the technical resources uh, to do that. That if this ordinance is allowed to stand, where the conflict arises then is in a case where you then have the burgeoning of literally tens of thousands of these types of local ordinances, where you would have one jurisdiction requiring a permit for 60 days prior to use, as the town of Casey has done here. Then in the next township, six miles down the road, there's not a permitting scheme, but there is a very elaborate notice and posting scheme. And then the next six miles down the road, you have, a, you have another type of ordinance that, say, perhaps requires a review of... Uh, uh, the pesticide re-registration process or something on that order. Congress, among other things, in its concern with coordination, was also concerned about burdens on interstate commerce. And I think many of the amicus parties which have filed briefs here today have highlighted those. And to just give you one example of where that can be a problem, I would submit the utility rights-of-way or rail corridor problem is an excellent example. A railroad or a rural electric cooperative in northern Wisconsin, which crosses several hundred miles, would have to submit to regulations, different set of regulations, every six miles as it goes across the state under this type of ordinance. May I ask one question about this ordinance? Yes, Is Your there Honor. any other regulation of aerial spraying in Wisconsin other than ordinances of this kind? Uh, th there is a regulation under um, the Wisconsin Administrative Code, uh, Ag 29. There are certain restrictions on spraying, and in fact, there are certain limited uh, advanced notice provisions as part of that state's... This is more restrictive than that regulation, obviously. Right. is considerably more restrictive. And again, our concern here, ultimately, is, is with the multiplicity of these types of regulations could effectively preclude uh, any, any use of uh, pesticides by these, by these governments. In concluding, I would, I would just like to note that congressional intent, we believe, remains the ultimate touchstone here. And we believe Congress established a coordinated federal and state program, and it provided that states can regulate use and define states to preclude local governments. It underscored the different roles between states and local governments, allowing states to cooperate and participate in those state programs, and I think as the words of the statute say, uh, in carrying out the provisions of this chapter. They can assist in a state program, but they cannot, we submit, under this statute and this legislative history, be involved in a case where they can do so wholly independent and without regard to the state program or the federal program. Thank you, Mr. Kent. Mr. Dawson, you have one minute remaining. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. First, I'd like to come back to a question that Justice Souter raised regarding Senator Allen's uh, activity on the floor of the Senate, and I may have, mis may have misspoke. I want to refer the Court 
to the Solicitor General's brief on page 20, in which it, uh, it makes very clear exactly what happened. There, Senator Allen inserted an explanation of the bill as it appeared in the original report of the Committee of Agriculture and Forestry, which included the paragraph concerning the authority of local governments from the initial report. Thus, he did not read it into the record uh, uh, while on the Senate floor. And the fact is that the Senate, uh, the dispute that existed between the Senate Agriculture and Forestry Committees as well as the Commerce Committee was never resolved. That dispute was never resolved in the passage of this Act. This Act went to a conference. Thank you, Mr. Dawson. The case is submitted. The Honorable Court is now adjourned until Monday next at 10 o'clock.